Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode 206. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore on Twitter, joined by my co-host, John White, at BJourneyman. Hey John, how's it going? Nick, I am doing great. Just want to remind the audience that we are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to career enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Just to review the last few episodes, we are doing a series on job searches, resumes, and interviewing. So we started in episode 203 with a, with an episode about writing resumes, keeping them up to date, and some tips for you there. We talked about the job search, how to search for jobs, some interesting tips and tricks in 204. And then in episode 205, we did a review of interviewing. In each one of these three episodes, we gave some past episodes to look back at, and in our interviewing discussion last week, we talked about the goals of an interview, the types of interviews. We got through an initial HR screen and then calls or initial calls with the hiring manager, and we had to stop there. And so I know that everybody is on the edge of their seat waiting for what we're going to say next. The first thing I'll say is hopefully the HR person or the first person you talk to at the company you're interviewing with, a job interview, should tell you what the hiring process looks like. How many rounds do you have to go through? What does this generally look like at your company? And I can tell you that the hiring manager is not always the first touch after the HR screen. Sometimes it's a member of the team. I will say at Google, the hiring manager is basically the last person that you talk to. <laughs> at Google Cloud, where I work at, you might talk to an HR uh, recruiter and do a screen there, but then the formal process looks like doing a, a general cognitive ability interview, a role-related knowledge interview, a googliness and or leadership interview, as well as a, a presentation interview, if, especially if you're in customer engineering where I am, where you do a formal, what looks like a sales presentation or a process presentation to a group of mock customers. So after all of that, they decide whether or not you are, can be hired or not. And then after that, you get shopped to a hiring manager. So I am absolutely on board with what Nick said. You, if the recruiter or the first person that you're talking to doesn't explain what the entire hiring process looks like and the interview process looks like, make sure that you ask that question. It is one of the questions that you should ask if it's not explicitly explained to you. And generally, you should probably get some information funneled to you as to what to expect in each round. Is this going to be a technical interview? Is this going to be a cultural fit type interview? It's very helpful for you to be able to collect your thoughts in that specific area because you don't want to go into a, a technical screening and have really thought more about the company and the culture in preparation for that. That would be not good. Absolutely. And competent organizations will provide you with the information about what the interview is going to cover. 
and maybe even how to prepare for it. With that in mind, let's jump into the other types of interviews and the other people that might be interviewing you throughout an interview process. I think we just mentioned it. There is the possibility of what's called a technical screen. And there's also something called like a, I don't know exactly what to call it, but where you're, you're in, interviewed by the members of the team that you would be joining. So maybe a team member screening. Some inter organizations are going to have you do a technical interview or other interviews where they're trying to evaluate your technical ability in the area that you are going to be joining. So if you're joining as an infrastructure architect, they want to, you know, ask you some questions about infrastructure architecture, about your experience with enterprise architecture. Maybe if it's cloud, they want to find out about your experience with cloud. If it's about databases, they want to find out about your experience with databases. So they might have some questions that, you know, somebody with the requisite experience would be able to answer very cleanly and clearly. It's not a, you know, 100%, like you need to get 100% on everything. Maybe you are stronger in some areas than others, and, and that's fine. But be prepared. If you're doing a technical screen, you know, you should approach it, you know, similar to maybe a certification exam. Maybe you don't need to be quite as rigorous, but, you know, it's kind of depends on how high level of a technical interview you're doing and how high level of a technical role you're doing. So if you're doing like principal architect for the entire organization type of interview, then maybe you should be reviewing like high level architecture for the typical organization size that this organization handles. Maybe it's divisional architecture. Maybe it's entire business unit uh, level architecture. Whatever it is that they handle, that's what you need to be preparing for. I don't think we said it before, but when you're preparing for these interviews, I would say... Even if you're not as prepared as you would like to be, getting a good night's sleep might actually help you fill the gap. It would be better to be less prepared and have gotten a good night's sleep than to be as prepared as you wanted to and slept four hours because you're probably going to perform better. Yeah, you're always going to perform better with the the amount of sleep that you need, right? So you need to, to know yourself there and say like, you know, I don't know, maybe you, you need 10 hours of sleep to opt operate at your peak performance for this type of uh, intensity of an interview. And in that case, you need to block out 10 hours <laughs> of sleep for yourself that day and then, you know, do a, a reverse timeline for the the rest of that day to make sure you fit in those, those 10 hours and, and get to sleep. So yeah, a really good point. Again, we want to emphasize from last week, your goals in this process are twofold. One, you want to get the approval of the person who's conducting the interview that you are appropriate for this role and maybe even their preferred choice for this role. And secondarily, you are trying to understand whether this is an organization that you want to work for. So make sure that, you know, even if it's a technical screen and, you know, you feel like, hey, my goal, you know, or the, the primary purpose of this is for them to, to quiz me, you know, this is one of the people on the team that I'll be working with and they are doing a technical screen for me, you still can, at the end of this interview, ask questions of this person. You are still evaluating this organization, the manager and the team, to figure out if you want to work there. So it is entirely appropriate to ask this team member that you might be working with, what is the team culture like? How often does the team meet as a team? 
what is it like to work for this manager? Are they a micromanager or are they a little bit more hands-off? There's probably a very subtle way to ask that question. You know, you could just ask the management style. Is it a little bit more hands-off? Is it a little bit more hands-on? Is there a good balance? How does this manager tend to ease people into the role? How many people have come on, joined the team, you know, in the recent months? Are they doing a bunch of hiring or are you, you the only one, you know, for the single opening that they've had in the last two years? This is all valuable information. What's a one-on-one -on -one with your manager like? What kinds of things do you all talk about? What do they usually want to know? You're providing or doing a technical screen for the manager. Is that typical? Or does the manager typically do a technical screen? Or are they kind of a non-technical manager, which is absolutely fine. And, and this is the person who does the technical screens almost all the time or or all the team members just rotate through doing the technical screen. So you need to be prepared, you know, in six months to a year to be able to do one of these. And how does the team keep up to date with technology? Does the organization provide funding for training in that kind of area? Or do they have to kind of go out on their own and spend their own time and, and money to, to keep up to date? This is all important information to gather and absolutely can be asked in this type of interview. And keep asking why people at different levels work for that company and why they, if they stayed there a long time, ask them what made them stay so long. Yeah. What has contributed to this longevity? Maybe it's, oh, they have a technical career path for individual contributors, and I love that, and I love the people I work with. Maybe it's, I love this boss. This is the person who hired me, and if they left, then I'd probably leave. It's interesting to triangulate the why do you work here across people at different levels. And in different job roles, yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you know, maybe members of the team you'd be joining and contrast that with a recruiter or a different person within people operations or human resources. I think all that information is, is even easier to, to gather if it's a team member who's doing the interviewing and it's a little bit more about going over your resume again and whether you have the appropriate background for the role then it's a little bit easier to talk about, you know, situations that you've been in, your background, the work that you've done, and why you think that you are meeting the problems as you understand them, you know, to then make sure to ask the question. I think by the job description that it looks like you're looking for somebody who can do A, B, C, and D. Am I right about that? And then they can tell you yes or no. You're gathering even more information and they might give you some feedback. Actually, it is A, B, C, and D, but actually D is the most important thing, right? So the the things that you said were correct, but it was not in the correct order of importance. And maybe you can even ask about that. It's A, B, C, and D, but is, is that the correct order? And then again, you can elicit that feedback, and then you can ask the questions that we already suggested that you ask. What is you know, somebody who's effective in the role, like what, what do they need to be doing? You know, if they get hired today, what would be the first type of thing that they'd work on in six months or a year from now? If you made a recommendation for somebody to be hired, what do you think that person would be doing if you were able to look back and say, oh yeah, that was a successful hire, even if they're not the hiring manager. I'm glad that I made this recommendation for John White to be hired into this role because John White has done A, B, C, and D. What are those things? Great, great questions to ask. And I think, again, that kind of, your, your willingness to ask those kinds of questions uh, will speak to your seniority. 
you know to ask those questions. You're sophisticated to ask, enough to ask those questions. And you are also evaluating them at the same time that they're evaluating you. And hopefully they provide you some time to ask questions and aren't just grilling you the whole time. If they don't provide time and it's getting close to the end, I might actually interrupt and say, would it be okay if I asked you a couple of questions? Or do you, do you have time after, you know, our official time for me to ask you questions or do you need to leave? Yeah. And if they need to leave, then you can say, well, is it okay if I start to ask you some questions now? Or do you have a set list of questions that you need to get through? Can I send you an email and yeah. ask some questions? Absolutely. Also valid. I want to address another type of screening interview that you might go through. And that's what I call the, the executive screening interview. My experience with this is when a hiring manager has taken you through an interview process, maybe you've already done a, a technical screen and, and maybe talked to some other team members, talked to some people in job roles that aren't on the team, but with are on another team that you would be working closely with. And then they say something like, well, I'd like to, you to talk to my director. You know, I'd like you to do an interview with her and are you available at this time? And, and you know, and you go through that process of scheduling that with the uh, recruiter. This in my mind is a strong, strong buy signal is, is how a salesperson would put it. They have evaluated you and they almost need to do like a final, get a final sign off from, from someone who is maybe the budget owner for this, uh, this headcount, just like one final rubber stamp. So it's a really, really positive sign when you progress from the hiring manager to the person who supervises the hiring manager. Is that, some, is that something that's ever happened to you, Nick? I remember having to meet with a director level person that was a peer of my boss in the interview process coming to VMware. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. There's something that I want to make a distinction about there. Sometimes I think the situation that you're talking about, especially in sales organizations and, and sales engineering is sales engineering works in parallel with sales and the hiring manager for a sales engineering group might not have the same type of title as the manager of a sales team. So I think in some organizations, you're ne you never manage a sales team. You might be the head of sales or you're the director of sales or even VP of sales. Right, but they're still peered with someone who's just a manager of sales engineers. That can just be title inflation. So the specific situation that I'm talking about is when the hiring manager says, I want you to talk to my manager. Oh, okay. Well I haven't I have not been through that personally, no. Ah, okay. Okay. I think what you're talking about, hey, you're getting hired into a sales engineering organization and I need you to get screened by the sales manager. That is also a very good sign. Because now they've kind of done their technical evaluation and they think that you're probably appropriate, but they want to run you by the manager of the group of people that you'd be working closely with, specifically right. the manager of the salespeople that you'd be interfacing with. And they want to know... Almost like a dotted line report. Yeah, that's a really good description. So again, those are really positive signs and, and signs that you're probably close to the end of the interview process. Let's talk about what happens after the entire interview process is over. Um, the first thing that I want to note is about job offers. Like that 
that's kind of your goal, right? So hopefully you've done your evaluation, you've completed your evaluation of the organization, and when they want to start talking about what a job offer looks like, you are 100% on board with getting a job offer. If you are not 100% on board and you still need to continue your evaluation, that's the point where you need to ask for the things that you need to figure out whether or not you want to work there. I've been in a situation where I said, well, you know, I'm a sales engineer and I haven't talked to the salesperson that I'd be working with hand in hand. Like, is that something that I can do? I've gone through that process and they said, you know, either, hey, we haven't even hired that person. Like, so that's why you talk to the sales manager or maybe they're not sure what team you're going to work on. So that's why you, you know, you're not being hired to partner with a specific person. So, you know, maybe that is something that you take into account um, during that process or, you know, maybe it doesn't matter, but at least you have more information there. You know, maybe you haven't fully gotten a, a cultural picture. So you want to talk to yet another team member to ask them about, you know, what the team looks like, what team meetings look like, what promotion process looks like, you know, again, maybe during the technical interview or, you know, a peer interview, you, you ran out of time and you weren't able to ask those questions. If, if they're saying, Hey, our, our process is done. We want to talk about offer. And you haven't answered that question yet. Make sure you get that question answered before you talk about what a job offer looks like if they're thinking about making you an offer. Right. And that would probably need to happen relatively quickly to when you told the recruiter because they want to know if you're a yes, no, yes, and move on. Correct. So make sure that you're blocking out time to not drag it out for several weeks, right? You, hey, I'm available tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that or even the weekend. Let's talk about that process of an offer. You're probably not going to get a written offer until they know that you're a yes. So, An offer is always going to be, or usually going to be discussed what the offer letter would look like before you get it. So they know that when they extend the offer, the formal letter, which is often electronic these days, you're going to accept it. And and so what that means is, first of all, what the compensation looks like. If there's areas that need to be negotiated there, then the time to negotiate that is before the you know, formal offers made. And what I mean by that, a written, you know, electronic communication where you're supposed to sign yes or no. Uh, Make sure that they're not progressing to that point before you've talked about compensation. And this is the point where you can, you know, evaluate what you're getting from them compared to what you already have or what it is that you need. You know, what are their medical and dental costs if that's, you know, critically important to you? Um, Their vacation policy, um, their retirement plan, uh, you know, fund matching policies, you know, for a 401k, for example. Reimbursement. Reimbursement. Opportunities for travel or mm-hmm. phone, internet. Would they support you speaking at VMUGS, for example, if that's important to you? Yeah. So all of those things that basically would make you, help you understand what the offer actually is or, you know, how much of, you know, my job would I need to fund, uh, you know, or uh, my healthcare would I need to fund, you know, that. That goes into the the total compensation. For example, if they're giving you an offer that, you know, would bump up your salary $10,000, but they have such a poor medical plan that, and you have specific medical needs that would cost you more than $10,000, then you are actually taking a pay cut. Yep. Have to factor all that stuff in. 
I remember, yes, absolutely. One of the things I had to factor in was um, when I was moving from VMware to Google Cloud was the fact that I was working, I was moving from a company that had an unlimited vacation policy to one that had, you know, something like, oh, hey, you get X week of vacation every year. So that was something that I had to consider. Is that a deal breaker or is it not? Another kind of sub point that I want to address here is what about delays? What if the interviews are over and then they kind of say, hey, we're still in the process where a bunch of things are going on. People are going to this meeting and we don't have all the people in one place. Um, and it goes on for over a week. There's a couple of things that might have happened here, right? You might have come in second or third. So once you've kind of made it to the final round of interviews, probably everybody who's made it to the final round of interviews is appropriate to be hired. They've kind of made that decision. And then they're trying to just rank them one through three or one through two or however many people they found that were appropriate for the, for the role. Now, there's somebody who's in first place who is going through the process that we just talked about, evaluating what kind of compensation they need, you know, whether this is a role that they really want to take or if it's too much travel or et cetera, et cetera. So the delay might be because they're keeping you on ice just in case the first place person doesn't accept the offer. That's a possibility. Or the first place person may not take the offer. They might say, you know what, I appreciate it, but based on everything I'm seeing, I don't even want you to make me an offer. And I would, I would suggest if you're not going to take the offer, don't ask them to write it down because it wastes that person's time. Yeah, and it wastes the second mm -hmm. and third person place person's time, right? Like if I know I'm not going to take it, why ask for it? I've definitely opted out kind of at that final round. I think when I was working at VMware, I kind of, I think we've advocated on this podcast, you know, hey, a couple times a year, if you're getting approached by recruiters, you should probably say yes, just to keep your, your knowledge about what's out there fresh and to keep your interview process chops fresh to see whether you can progress in a couple different types of roles. I, I remember, I, you know, at the urging of a, a former colleague, I went through an interview process and found out, oh, they wanted very specific technical things that were, for me, pretty rusty. So, <laughs> like, that was just maybe not an appropriate role for me. Um, I hadn't done, you know, Linux command line stuff for over five years, and it was going to take me more time than I had to spin up to, to do what they needed to do. Um, I remember another situation where I think I got to the final round, and I still, like, even though I'd asked for them to explain what the product they were selling was, like, I, I just couldn't get my head around it. Like, I didn't understand what the the value of the product was. And as a result, I, I opted out. I was like, I think, uh, I think I just have to say, you know, thank you, but I, I need to you know, not continue on the process, which I think they were using an outside recruiting company and that person really wanted to place me. And, you know, they were kind of in the urgent in saying like, Hey, I think you can make, you know, X amount of money. And I said, well, I still at this point don't understand the product that I'd be selling. And I think that's a red flag for me. So, you know, I'd have to opt out regardless. It's hard to say no, but if you need to, you need to. Yeah, absolutely. But again, this is this might be why there are delays on the back end. They might have problems with the funding of the position. You know, they thought it was funded, you know, they started the process and then they ran into a problem. But if that type of thing is going on, the thing that you want from them is frequent updates. You want at that point the recruiter to say, "Hey, we've run into a problem with funding. We thought it was funded and then there's a delay." 
and the committee meets on day X. And then there's like this process that happens after that. You know, maybe that's too much information, but we should have an answer for you by day Y. And I will call you on that day, you know, or send you an email. Is that okay? And that should be okay. Like they're being very transparent about that process. If they just go silent on you, well, that's indicative of how this company operates. So, you know, you can say, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, you might do that, you know, after a day and then again after two days and then maybe again after three days. And at that point, in my mind, I'm saying they don't have the courtesy to answer my emails. And that's how they treat people who are potential employees. And that's probably how they treat employees as well. And I might leave a review on that process in Glassdoor. It's just probably a, a cultural thing. I don't really have any other way to judge the organization except how they're treating me and how they're treating me in that situation is they just sometimes go silent and don't answer emails, you know, for people that they're talking about doing business with. I, I don't know that that's a really good thing. You know, that's, that's, let me explicitly say, I think that's a bad thing. If that's how they're going to treat you. And it's super discouraging for the person experiencing it. You know, if you're getting, you get no response after reaching out multiple times that, because even if it's a, oh, no, you weren't even qualified, sorry, thanks for trying, or even if, sorry, it's a no, that would be something. That would stop the mind from wondering. No response is is just wicked on the anxiety that you have about this whole thing. Right. It's It makes it challenging. I think it's important to answer the question for them at that point. The answer is no. They haven't answered after, what did I say, one plus two plus three days. If that person's on vacation, then they should have somebody who's receiving their email, you know, about hires in flight. Like that is a very standard thing to do. Hey, I'm going to be out on vacation. So-and-so is going to take over the process for, you know, the next four days. Great. So now I'm going to email so-and-so. Not there's just happens to be no response because this person happens to be on vacation. I don't know like why that would be appropriate in any situation. You know, with that in mind, go on Glassdoor and say, hey, you know, I went through the process, invested X hours, like, you know, doing research and doing interviews, and then they just ghosted me. This is the name of the recruiter. If you are in that situation with this recruiter or this type of position, like you need to know, right, that they, this might happen and uh, be careful, you know, how much time and effort you invest with this organization. And, and maybe you should do that investigation, you know, as part of your qualification into this organization as well. Sure. And if, I don't think we spoke to it, but if you know people that work at the organization, as you're going through this process or before, maybe once you know you have an initial screening call, if you can reach out to those folks. I think we did talk about it in one of the previous job search, mm -hmm. but even during the interview process, if, if you have a touch point with, with somebody who works there that is comfortable talking to you, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. They might be able to give you some, some guidance on the organization as a whole. I don't. They can tell you about things that are happening. Like for example, oh, hey, you know, that pr person might've worked for an HR recruiting firm that we just fired. Like I heard about uh... that going on. So that might be why you um, are not hearing back from anybody because you know, a whole bunch of in-flight interview process processes got disrupted because of a, you know, fairly traumatic termination of a, a recruiting contract that we had, you know, and that's just information that like you might not have access to, except if you have an internal contact who can give you that information. Right. Right. But it's also, I think, not worth 
spinning up a bunch of potential scenarios about why this might be happening. If you can reach out to somebody and say, hey, I haven't heard back in like 10 days, you know, after I went through all this interview process, do you have any idea on why that might happen? And they can't give you an answer? Like, you know, don't make them accountable for that, right? It's, they're not the recruiter, right? But, but it's a, it's a touch point, right? right? Like they can say, oh, you know, there's a, there's a big HR upheaval or there's, you know, this happened or this happened. Okay, great. Now you have context and you can form an opinion about the organization based on that context. Right. Approach it from the idea of what am I missing here? Right. Instead of why did they ghost me? I can't believe it. Right. Right. I'm awesome and they should know it. That might be true. And it's also something that you can't um, let affect your mood more than you are able to, right? Because sure. if you go through the entire process, or even if it's just part of a process and you get ghosted, that's not cool. And we're trying to tell you that that's not cool. And you, we're trying to tell you, hey, you know, let's, as a community, come together and, you know, make public reviews about organizations that, that treat candidates that way. Um, I think that's important for other candidates to know. But ultimately, there's no one job that is the most awesome job that you could ever have. Like there's no one magical job. There's just possible jobs. If it's Mm -hmm. not this one, it could be another one. It could be a one after that. It could be one after that. There's an entire universe of jobs that are out there. And that's why, you know, going back to, you know, what we talked about before, you need to be dreaming in bands. There's not one company. There's not one manager. There's not one position. There's, a spectrum of companies. Yeah. Spectrum of managers, spectrum of job roles that you could have. And I think even if you say no, your success criteria, hopefully, is something you did better than the last time you went through this process. You know, you you want to win. Everybody wants to win, Mm -hmm. right? If you're really in it and you're really excited about this job. But hopefully, if you don't, you can at least look at it from the perspective of, what did I do better than last time? Is there some feedback that somebody I spoke to in the process might be able to give me or gave me along the way that would help me? Or maybe I just chronicled my experience and reflected upon it and said, oh, you know what? I was able to tell this story about implementing this technology a lot better this time than I did the last time. And that is a bright spot, even though I didn't hit the mark. I'm focusing on the process over the outcomes, even though I really want the outcome, really want that. And super hard not to be bummed about it. I think anybody would and can't blame you, but hopefully you can become better by having this experience. Even if it's not a great one and it's not the right fit, not the right company, you still got some at bats Yeah, and took some swings. Process over outcomes is, is something that we have talked about before and is super important you know, philosophically. Outcomes are something that you cannot control. And Nick and I have a lot of experience this being in sales-related roles. People don't always say, yes, I want to buy that. But what you can do and what you can control is the process that you go through when you are executing a campaign, a meeting, or an interview process. I interviewed exceptionally well. I can say that I felt much better about what I did this time around than the last time I interviewed somewhere. Um, I did great. I clarified the interview process. I, I set expectations and made sure that I knew what was going to happen next every single time. And then I either got an offer or, you know, made it to the next round where I didn't. But if you tie how you feel to your process 
and not to the outcome, then you will in the long run be much better off, much better off. Play to win. And if you don't try to find some bright spots to carry you to the next time. Yeah. But again, be process, process oriented. You know, you can't control the outcome. You can only control your process. Hey, John, I think that's all we had planned for this episode. Anything else pop into your mind while we talked? Nope. I think uh, I probably went long enough. I do want to remind everybody that we'd like people to subscribe and give us a positive view on Apple Podcasts or wherever they happen to be listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. Has this series helped you? We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore for John White at Journeyman. Signing off. Adios. We mentioned in episode 200 that we often have some great conversations off the air. If you are so inclined, definitely send John a tweet about his Harry Potter fandom. I think that would make for a great conversation. Don't you, John? Listen. Listen. <laughs> I'm not not a fan of Harry Potter. I'm just saying that I came to the series when I was older, and it is a series which is aimed at tweens to teens where all the adults are incompetent mm. and i'm an adult so it didn't it didn't really hit me the way that it hit people who were the the target age range on the other hand i am pro reading so anybody who consumes that book voraciously i heartily endorse voracious reading so more power to the harry potter fans I think we leave it up to the fans. You decide. John White, next politician, next president. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sounded sounded like a pretty political answer. All right. We'll get away from that.